Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, hallelujah. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me, oh God, thank you Jesus. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Thank you, Jesus. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Hallelujah. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word to us, God. It is so powerful. It's leaping off the page into my heart and into my spirit. It's effecting change in me, in us. Let Rhema word come today. God, let revelation knowledge come today. And what you have intended your word to accomplish, let it be done as we give you thanks, as we give you praise, and as we pray this in Jesus' name. Come on, do you want the word of God to change you today? Say amen. The 23rd Psalm. Quite possibly one of the most well-known chapters Maybe, maybe only one other verse would be more popular. What do you think that might be? I think so. John 3.16, of course, but Psalm 23. It's in my top five, I guess. I have some favorite scriptures. I hope you do. You should. The 23rd Psalm. How many love the 23rd Psalm? How many have ever had some comfort come from the 23rd Psalm? The 23rd Psalm, the most, one of the most known, one of the most loved of all the chapters in the Bible, the great theologian of yesteryear, Charles Spurgeon, he said this about the 23rd Psalm. He called it the pearl of the Psalms. Isn't that good? It's precious. It's valuable. Memorized by millions. Recited at weddings, baptisms, funerals. This chapter out of God's word has brought comfort, hope, peace, guidance, protection. Great, great portion of scripture. As we continue in our study of the names of God, this psalm introduces us to perhaps the most tender of all of God's names. Jehovah Rohi. Hello, my name 
is Jehovah Rohi. This translates, the Lord is my shepherd. In preparing for this particular message in the series, I did a little bit of research and I found that sheep are the most commonly mentioned animal in all of the Word of God. Did you know that God actually cares about animals? Did you know that animals are important to God? Karen and I were walking through the mall in Butler on Friday night, and one of our students, uh, is she in second grade, something like that, second, third grade, she, she ran up on us. She saw us, and she ran up and wanted, of course, to hug uh, Mrs. Bland. Boy, the kids love Mrs. Bland, and I sure do understand why. She's very lovable. And uh, so she wanted to run up and hug Mrs. Bland, and, and I got a little hug in too, just, you know, because I, I was there. But So Dad says to her, go ahead, ask Pastor Steve. And she's like, no, 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 no. He said, go ahead, you wanted to ask him? Here he is, just ask him. So she said, Pastor Steve, do dogs go to heaven? <laughs> I've been asked some strange things. And I said, well, haven't you seen that movie, All Dogs Go to Heaven? <laughs> How do you answer that, really? You know, you want to be a little bit careful right there. So I just tried to encourage I said, you know what, honey? I said, God loves animals. Animals are important to God. At the very beginning of creation, they're included. God created the animals, didn't he? Created the animals. One of, one of Adam's assignments, one of his jobs was naming all of the animals. God got fed up with mankind's sin a little bit later, and he says, I'm letting him have it. And he decides he's going to destroy all of his creation, save Noah and his family, but interestingly, he didn't just save mankind. What else did he do? He moved on the animal kingdom so that one of each male and female of each species came to Noah, and then Noah got them in the ark. I think God cares about animals. And um, who knows? We may get to heaven and see our long-lost dogs. There'll be no cats in heaven, I don't really think. Ooh, somebody felt that right there. Woo! Focus, Steve, focus. I found out sheep are the most commonly mentioned animal in all of the Word of God. They're referenced over 400 times when you include the word sheep, lamb, or flocks. Over 400 times God mentions sheep. A shepherd is mentioned over 100 times. This just tells us how important this is to God. David wrote this psalm. David, the, king who, who, the, the, the man who later became king, y'all know King David. David wrote this psalm. And it was natural for him to talk about sheep and shepherding because David grew up as a shepherd. If you remember, God decided that he was no longer going to have Saul as king because Saul disobeyed. 
And so he told Samuel, the prophet, go to the house of Jesse and I'm going to select one of Jesse's sons. What a big day. What a great day that is. So here comes the prophet. Here comes Samuel. Y'all with me? Here comes Samuel and he's going to anoint a new king. Y'all with me? And Jesse says, well, let's get the oldest because tradition says that the oldest is picked first. So they bring the oldest son. Jesse's sitting back as a proud daddy just knowing he's going to be selected. He's going to be anointed. And God says, no. The oldest passes. Maybe it's the tallest. I don't know. Maybe it's the one who knows the math the best. Maybe it's, you know, he runs all of his sons through the line, doesn't he? And God says no, God says no, God says no. Gets to the end of the sons. Well, not really. It's only the end of the sons that Jesse decided to put in front of the prophet. And so the prophet says, 1 Samuel 16, 11, could you bring that up for us today? Look at this. Samuel said to Jesse, uh, are all the young men here? Is this everybody? And he says, well, there is the youngest out here. He's over there tending to the sheep. He's keeping the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, go get him. Send and bring him, for we will not set down until he comes here. And of course, you know the story. This was the one that God selected. The little shepherd boy, isn't that something? Be careful, be careful thinking that you know what God's going to do because God probably won't do it like that. Jesse thought he had it all figured out. I'll put my first son, I'll put my oldest son, I'll put the next son. It wasn't what God wanted. God had another plan. And he used the least likely. Oh, I could preach that right now, but I have another way that I want to go. But he used the least likely. Aren't you thankful that God still uses the least likely? You are, you are looking at the least likely right now. Let me just tell you something. That's just how God works. That's just how God works. Today, sheep are primarily used for their meat. But in Bible days, sheep were raised primarily for their wool and their milk. Now, they were used for their meat as well, but mostly they used them for their wool and for their milk. And so they could, they could get a lot of, of produce, if you will, out of the same sheep. A lot of fruit, the milk and the wool. For that reason, it was not uncommon for a shepherd to be with the same sheep 24 hours a day, possibly for 10 years, maybe even longer. Any, any animals lovers out there today? You love animals? Any dog lovers out there? Any cat lovers? God help them. You know what? No matter what your animal of choice is, you might like rats for all I know. Some people do. There's domestic rats. Whatever it might be, I'm telling you, it doesn't take any time to get attached to these little creatures, does it? Imagine a shepherd tending to sheep 24 hours a day for up to 10 years. They may be frustrated with them at times, but I'm telling you, they fell in love with these sheep, and they were very attached to these sheep. Shepherds would often develop a deep personal relationship with their sheep, but I thought it was interesting as David, the, the psalmist, wrote this psalm, David, the shepherd, 
who knew sheep very well, he pictured himself as a sheep, not as a shepherd. Does anyone want to get to know Jehovah Rohi today? The Lord is my shepherd. Jot down a few things that, that I found interesting and that were helpful to me and I, I hope will be helpful to you. I believe will be helpful to you. Write this down. Number one, let's look at the declaration of his name, first of all. The declaration of his name. Psalm 23, 1, just the first five words. The Lord is my shepherd. These five words can have a different meaning depending on the emphasis. And so, just, just uh, work with me right here and, and notice with me as we emphasize uh, a few of the, the words in these five words, let them stand to the forefront. What I'm, what I'm saying is, first of all, let, let's say it like this, the Lord is my shepherd. Come on, say that out loud. Say, the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd emphasis on the Lord see when we say it like this the Lord is my shepherd this is a declaration of God's role in this psalm because it needs to be said that it is God and only God that is the one we want to be our shepherd it, it's not uh, it's not some other God you know, in the, Indi in the Hindu community, the Indian nation and the Hindu community, there are thousands of little g gods. Gods for everything. We see in Scripture, the Apostle Paul even, even came up on a, on a city and, and there was a, 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 a plaque to the unknown God. And, of course, Paul, being filled with the Spirit and sensitive to the Spirit, used that as a segue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and talk about, well, I know the unknown God. But it's amazing. There are so many so-called gods. It needs to be made clear today that it is the Lord, God himself, God and only God, not Buddha, not Mohammed, not Allah, not some wannabe God. It is our God, the only true and living God that is our shepherd. In our politically correct society, they want us to make room for all the other possibilities of gods. And we're called biggest and intolerant for standing firm and standing strong, Leroy. Have you all met Leroy over here? New friend that's coming in. I'm getting to know him, and I'm glad you're here, my friend. I really am. Welcome to La Palma. We're glad you're here. Uh, they want us to make room for all these other gods, and we say, well, there is no other god, and so they call us intolerant. But it's only the Lord. It's only God and God himself, the one that rose triumphant from death, hell, and the grave. That is the one, the Lord is my shepherd. So we need to make it clear there are no other gods. But also, we need to not get ourselves in the way. I'm not my shepherd. Because sometimes, we want to guide us. I want to lead me. Oh, y'all don't want to hear this, but I'm going to preach it anyway. It's probably the biggest foe that gets in the way of God really being God in our lives is me. It's yourself. 
And we, whether we say it like this or not, we will, we will put ourselves in that place. I am my shepherd. And I'll provide for me. My uncle, a self-made millionaire in the, in the trucking industry years ago in Linton, Indiana. Linton, Indiana made Terre Haute look like the big city. Terre Haute? Where'd my shout-out go? Oh, they all left. And he told my dad, Stacy, anything I need, I'll buy it. And he pulled out a wad, $1,000 that he kept on his, on his person at all times. That was just pop money for his grandkids. No kidding. Kept $1,000 on him cash in his pocket at all times. He said, whatever I need, I'll buy it. I don't need anything. I am my shepherd. Be very careful today. Be very clear today. You are not your shepherd either. There are no other gods that are our shepherd. I am not my shepherd. You are not your shepherd. Your family and your friends are not your shepherd. I think sometimes we will get on the phone instead of going to the throne. We call mom instead of calling the father. <laughs> we call our friends. Now listen, don't misunderstand me. I thank God for godly people that I can call and I can call on and they will guide me and they will help me and they will speak truth into my life. But ultimately, folks, my family is not my shepherd. My friends are not my shepherd. The Lord. Somebody say the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Now let's move the emphasis just a little bit. Say it like this. The Lord is my shepherd. Come on, let's say it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't know about everybody else, Pastor Jim, but he's my shepherd. It may not be for everybody, but it is for me. He may not be for everybody. I mean, their, their choice. He wants to be. But I have made up my mind. When we say it like this, this is a statement of our responsibility. You see, God will not just force himself on you. He will lovingly reveal himself to you. And then you have the choice whether you accept Christ or you reject Christ. And if you don't accept Christ, then by default, you have already rejected Christ. And so, it is not that, well, my grandmother was a Christian, and my mother was a Christian, and, and we've just been Christian for so many generations, and so, I am Christian. You fill it out on a form. No, it's not like that. Is he your shepherd? Is he your shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. It tells everybody that I have made a choice. I've decided to accept the Lord Jesus and let him shepherd me. I've decided to accept Christ the Lord and let him guide me and let him lead me. And it also declares that we trust in him. We trust in him. We walk by faith and not by the Lord is my shepherd now we lean into the last word of these five words and say it like this the Lord is my shepherd say it with me the Lord is my shepherd because this saying it like this this is a testimony of God's responsibility shepherding is a large task there's much, much work and effort that goes into shepherding. 
His responsibility as a shepherd is to guide us, to lead us, to care for us, and to protect us. And I want somebody to know today that our shepherd is the good shepherd. Jesus said in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. How many are thankful today for the good shepherd guiding you and leading you and protecting you in his goodness? Amen. Now let's look secondly at the distribution of his nature. We've seen the declaration of his name. So what about him being a shepherd? What does that mean? What is the distribution of the nature of the shepherd? What all does that entail? What all does that mean? Let me bring up Psalm 23.1 one more time for you to examine this. The Lord is my shepherd. It goes on to say, I shall not want. And you know what I found out? Sheep want a lot. Sheep want a lot because sheep need a lot. Please keep in mind that as I preach this message to you, we are likened to sheep. We are compared to sheep. Somebody go, bah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You'll see what I'm talking about. There was a book that I read some portions out of. Philip Keller wrote it. Philip Keller was a sheep rancher. And he, he had these observations. The book, by the way, I, I recommend that you look into this. You could get it on your Kindle. You could get it on uh, you could get it Amazon, a hard copy paperback. But it's called A Shepherd's Look. Excuse, excuse me. A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Philip Keller. I recommend you read this. Has anybody ever read it? Okay. We have some that have already read it. It's super interesting, isn't it? The comparisons of an actual sheep rancher and the sheep and, and uh, this 23rd Psalm. I found out that sheep require more attention than any other livestock on the farm. They need more care and attention than all the other livestock because they can't take care of themselves. Unless the shepherd moves them or makes them move, sheep will actually ruin a pasture. They'll eat every blade of grass until finally a fertile, good pasture becomes desolate and barren. Nothing there. That's just how they're made. I found out that they are nearsighted and stubborn. Did I say that we should compare ourselves as I read through this? <laughs> sheep are easily frightened he said that an entire flock can be stampeded by a little bitty single jackrabbit stampede the whole flock one little bunny they have little means of defense they're feeble they're timid when trouble comes, their only recourse is to run if no shepherd is there to protect them. They just run and they'll keep on running and they don't know how to get back home because they have no homing instinct. You know, a dog or, well, a cat, yes. 
<laughs> a horse, birds, they have homing instincts. I, I attended a funeral uh, recently, and they let, they let uh, the doves go. Have you ever seen that at a funeral? It was so amazing. They would, each family member would lift off the doves. They had so many. They said, Pastor Steve, why don't you come and lift one off? And I, it was really exciting. It was, it was cool. You, you let that thing fly off, and, and they have a little path. They'll circle all the way around, come right back to people again, and, and then they, they fly home. They know exactly where their home is because they have this built-in instinct. Sheep don't have that. They get in trouble, and if there's no shepherd, they just keep running until they're lost, and then uh, a predator will get them, or, or they just die. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It got me thinking about what a discontented age we live in. Really always wanting, aren't we? Never truly satisfied, are we? I found this poem written by Jason Lehman. It was spring, but it was summer I wanted. The warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted. The colorful leaves and the cool, dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted. The beautiful snow and the joy of this of the holiday it was winter but it was spring I wanted the warmth and the blossoming of nature I was a child but it was adulthood I wanted the freedom and the respect I was 20 but it was 30 I wanted to be mature and sophisticated I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted. <laughs> oh, I lost my place. <laughs> the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle age I wanted. The presence of mind without limitations. Then my life was over and I never got what I wanted. How true, though. How true. We live in a society, we live in an age, we live in a nation that we can't get enough. We are always wanting what we don't have or wanting more of what we do have. God help us to be content in the good times or in the bad times, when we have plenty or when we'd like a little bit more. Philippians 4, 11 and 12, the apostle Paul said, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am. Somebody say whatever state I am. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. God help us today to be content with what we have. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When we rest in this, folks, he will satisfy us. And we will not lack for one good thing. Write these four things that you do not have to lack. Number one, I shall not lack provision. We're talking about 
God distributing his nature. He is the provider. I shall not lack provision. How many would testify today and say God has provided for me? Oh, come on and look around the room and just see the hand of God providing. Family after family, men, women, students, all over this room, God is our provider. Look at verse number two. It says, he makes me. Hmm. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. We're so busy. How many of y'all just busy? How many are, are, are just official workaholics? I mean, you get up, first thing, you're checking your email on your phone. You don't have to raise your hand, but you know it's the truth. We're, we're busy. We're, I know Stacy's a workaholic. I love that about him. But if we're not careful, Stacy, we can get worn out. We can get, we can get just beat, drained. Our priorities get out of whack. And sometimes God just wants to make us lie down. This book from uh, Philip Keller, he, he said that, uh, he said, sheep do not lie down easily. There are four requirements, I want you to jot them down, free of fear, free of friction, free of flies, and free of famine. Free of fear. Let's go back to that. In order for a sheep to lie down, it has to be a fear-free environment. Probably one of the most uh, often used arrows from the enemy firing into our hearts is fear. We grapple with fear. God wants us to lie down and we're just so fearful. Don't know how things are going to turn out. Don't know the end result. How will my bills be paid? Will my marriage survive? What about my children? And the list goes on and fear comes in. And if we don't evict fear, if we don't stand against fear and walk by faith, we become a fearful people. And we live our life as a defeated people because fear is actually dictating our life. And we're like puppets on a string and the enemy is controlling us through fear. But God today cuts all the strings and plants you firmly in faith. Walk in your faith. Let the Lord cause you to lie down in a fear-free environment. Also free of friction. Free of friction. In other words, if the pig and the cow over here are at it a little bit and there's some struggle and there's some turmoil over the hay or over the water or who knows what, there's ruckus, the sheep's not going to lie down. No turmoil, no drama. How many are ready for a peaceful environment in your life? No more friction. Let him make you lie down in a friction-free environment. Free of flies, I like that one. Aren't you tired of the flies buzzing around your spiritual mind? Mm. Just always buzzing in your ear, you're always swatting at something. Free of flies, this is free of pestilence. It's a healthy environment. If there's ailment in, in the sheep, they're not going to lie down. 
they're hurt. And how many times are we hurt physically or emotionally? And God wants to make us to lie down. We need to get rid of the flies. No more flies. Come on, swat the fly around your neighbor. Just shoo that fly away a little bit. No more flies, Robert. Let me get rid of that for you. I'm so tired of that buzzing around. Get out of here. Come on, shoo a fly away from somebody. Get out of here. Get out of here. No more flies. Fly-free environment. A healthy environment. And then this last one, it's free of famine. A sheep's not going to lie down with an empty stomach. They've got to be filled full of food. And as you feast on the Word of God and you come into the house of God and are fed, I believe that you can lie down and rest as the gentle shepherd, the good shepherd, makes you to lie down. Only a good shepherd can meet these requirements, providing peace, acceptance, deliverance, and provision. God is Jehovah-Rohi, church, the good shepherd. And I like what the, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4, 9, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Number two, I shall not lack nurture. I shall not lack the nurturing nature of God. Look at verse number three of our text here. It says at the very front part, He restores my soul. God will nurture us and care for us even though we may make a mess of our lives. You ever messed up royally? You ever fallen flat on your face spiritually? Thank God He doesn't just leave us. He'll pick us up. He'll nurture us and get us back on the right track. Because we all stumble and fall at times. And every now and then we can roll over on our back and not even be able to get up. I found out that there's a sheep that has this ailment. It's called a cast-down sheep. It's a heavy, long-fleeced sheep. And when it goes to lie down, as it stretches out to relax, sometimes it will lose its balance and it rolls over on its side. Because it's lost its center of gravity, the sheep will panic and then roll on its back upside down. And in this position, gases build up in the body and cut off the circulation to the legs. And if not corrected, the sheep will die within hours. Only the shepherd can come in and correct this matter and restore the sheep to its right position. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anybody ever watch Dr. Pohl? You watch Dr. Pohl? Would you believe? Now, this was already in my notes, but last night this very, very issue happened with a cow. I told Karen, I said, that's in my notes. That's one of my illustrations. The very thing happened with Dr. Pohl and a cow that had turned over on its back and they said the gas was building up and they had to quickly restore this cow to its proper position. That's what God wants to do with us, folks. When we fall over, when we roll over on our side, when we get on our backs and we can't get up and things start happening on the inside, the gentle shepherd, the good shepherd will get us back on our feet, hallelujah, and get us back in our right position. He restores my soul. I love that Jesus did this with Peter. Peter is notorious for a few things. One of them is denying Jesus. How many times did he deny him? 
He denied Jesus three times. Would you know that after Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected, he first of all said, tell Peter, you know, he gave a special word to Peter. But he also had a conversation with Peter. And he said to Peter, do you love me? Thank you, Robert. What Peter say? Of course. And he said, if you love me, feed my sheep. Do you know how many times Jesus said this to Peter? Three. Mitch, he said it three times. I just think that is so loving of God. Peter fell on his back, fell on his face. He denied Jesus three times. And three times Jesus restored Peter to his proper place, picked him up, brushed him off, and said, if you love me, just feed my sheep. Care for my sheep. Tend to my sheep. Number three, I shall not lack guidance. I shall not lack guidance. Look at verse two, the last portion of it. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Keep in mind that we are likened to sheep as I continue to preach this message. In his book, Keller said that sheep are some of the dumbest animals God ever created. <laughs> bah, come on somebody. Nobody wants to think like that, I understand. A shepherd will lead them to the very choicest of pasture, the greenest ever. And you know what the sheep does? Chuku, the sheep will wander off and, and try to find something on its own, which is not near as good as what the shepherd led them to. That's what the sheep do. I also found out that the sheep will just eat the grass without any focus of anything else. They're so consumed with eating the grass, they will eat themselves right off of a cliff. That's crazy to me. So consumed with their own appetite and their own need that they'll, they'll eat off of a cliff. It's insane. Bah! They're creatures of habit and they're conditioned by their circumstances. So they'll go back to the same habits bah! all the time and they'll keep on doing the same stupid things that they did before. I wonder how many times I've fallen in the same mud hole and asked God to clean me up and ask God, please don't let me do that again. And then I stumble again the same way. I end up doing the same things. We are just like sheep. Come on, somebody. You ought to go on ahead and bleat just a little bit. God leads us out of bondage. He sets us free. And what do we do? We go back to the jail cell. We go back and close the door ourselves. We go back and put the shackles on ourselves. We say, oh, well, at least in Egypt I had something to eat. At least in Egypt I can lay my head on something. And God says, I've delivered you out of bondage. I've delivered you from the enemy. And I have something better for you ahead. I've got a promise for you ahead. We go back to our old ways, our old habits. But he created something. I'm a new creation. The old things are gone. Behold, all things, come on somebody, all things have become new. I don't live like the fleshly man anymore. I don't live with the carnal mind anymore. I'm living according to the Spirit. And so the Spirit should be prompting me. The Spirit should be helping me. I gotta keep going. 
God, help us not to revert back to our sinful self, our, our, our sinful ways, our sinful nature. But let us live according to the Spirit and let there be the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I, I thank God so much today that the Good Shepherd seeks us out to restore our souls. Even if we do go astray, even if we do wander off, the Bible says that he'll leave the 99. Oh, hallelujah. He'll leave the 99 for the one. And I wonder how many times I've been the one that wandered off. And he left the 99 to come and find me and restore me to my right place, put me back in the right position. Hallelujah. Number four, I shall not lack safety. Now this is twofold. I believe there's safety in the difficulty and the dangerous times. Yea, verse 4, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, this text brings comfort in times of difficulty, but I believe that the true intention is to remind us of the shepherd's ability to protect the sheep in moments of danger. In his book, Keller went on to explain that during the seasonal passage from the lowlands where the sheep pasture during the winter months in the mountain valleys, the sheep are most vulnerable here to attacks from wild animals and from sudden flash floods. And since the sun does not shine in the valley very well, the shadows become literally shadows of death. Flash flood could come at any moment. It's a shadow of death. A, a predator could be around the, the crag, around the rock. It's a shadow of death. It's in these valley moments that a sheep must listen closely to the shepherd's voice because their lives depend on it. You ever been to the valley? God allows us to go to the valley, Pastor, so that we'll learn to hear His voice. I believe the valley experiences of our life are to tune our ear to the Good Shepherd's voice. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me even through the valley of the shadow of death. It says that His rod and His staff comfort me. Pastor Dave was ordained not long ago and one of the gifts that he received was a shepherd's staff. I think I got a, a certificate somewhere. I didn't get a staff. I love this. It, it, it stands in Pastor Dave's office as a, as a reminder of uh, the role that God has for him as a shepherd. He's, a, doing a, he, he's doing an amazing job of shepherding our students, he and Sonny. <clears throat> oh, let me go on. The rod, and it says your rod and your staff, and sometimes I've, always, I've thought from different times that it was two different uh, uh, instruments, a rod and a staff, but I found out it's one, one instrument, a rod and a staff. This is a rod and a staff. The rod portion is here. The rod was used to defend and to discipline. 
so he could, he could fend off some of the smaller predators with the end of the, the rod, the rod portion of this. And also, when the sheep got out of hand, he could give it to them on the backside. Come on now. Sometimes we need it on the backside, church. The good shepherd loves us. He only wants the best for us. So he'll, help, he'll, he'll discipline us a little bit with the rod. And then the staff portion was used to guide and to nurture. And so maybe there was a stubborn one and he needed, he needed to get him to the water. Maybe he needed to get him out of the, the rocks that were very sharp. And he knew that it could cut them. So he'll use this to guide them. Maybe get it right around their neck. Come here, butler. that Whew. just fits you perfect doesn't it could I borrow this for about four more years let's go back I don't want to mess up your hair my goodness so he used the staff to kind of guide them and to direct them and I said a moment ago that they would eat themselves right off the side of the cliff well if the cliff wasn't too far down and they didn't die, then the shepherd could reach down the staff portion, the crook, and get them around the neck gently, not to where it would strangle them, but he could bring them up out of danger and back to safety by the rod and the staff. He could also take this and around the neck hold them, the neck is here, so that he could, he could administer healing and, and health to them and apply the balm and apply the oil. Thank you, Pastor Dave. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. During the times of danger and difficulty, we have safety. During the times of blessing and abundance, we also have safety. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. This preparation of the table, I found this interesting. The shepherd would actually go ahead of time to the field, to the land, and prepare the field, prepare the land for the sheep's arrival. Oh, somebody's got to get this today. Uh, he would remove all the physical hazards, any rocks, anything sharp. He would, he would prepare the land before the sheep even arrived. He would get rid of all poisonous plants that the sheep would absolutely be drawn to and be prone to go and eat. He would also get rid of all predators that he could before the sheep even arrived so that they arrived to a prepared table. Isn't that good? That's just like our Lord preparing the table before us, even in the presence of the predators, even those who are against us, even in the presence of our enemies, those who don't think we're going to make it. God says, watch this. I'm going to prepare something, and it's going to be free of hazards. It's going to be free of poison. It's going to be so lush and so good. He anoints my head with oil. The shepherd would take a mixture of olive oil, sulfur, and spices to protect the sheep from healing, uh, uh, to protect the sheep from insects, excuse me, and also to promote healing if there was an infection. Remember the flies we're talking about? You know, we're shooing away the flies. Well, sometimes the sheep couldn't, they didn't have the long tail like the, like the, uh, like the cows and some of the horses. They're always swatting their tails. The sheep didn't have that. And so the flies would come in, especially in the head area. 
and in the eye area, and they would lay their eggs, and they would cause infection in the eyes or in the nose, in the ears. And um, it would actually drive them insane. They would go crazy because of the flies. But the shepherd, the good shepherd, he would keep the flies away, and he would put a salve on that would also uh, prevent the flies from coming. And he would anoint their head with this mixture. When we're under the care of the good shepherd, he keeps us safe in the good times and the bad. And he tends to all of our needs, providing for us, nurturing us, guiding us, and keeping us keep, keeping us safe. Number five, it is, I shall not lack promise. There are two promises in this last verse. Verse number six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Promise number one, goodness and mercy in this life. He gives us goodness and mercy while we're still on earth. What that suggests to me is goodness is on my one side prompting me to do good, to do what is right. Goodness following me all the days of my life. Steve, do good, do right, and helping me to do that. But remember, I'm a sheep. Ah. So sometimes I don't listen to goodness. Sometimes, Pete, I do my own thing. And I end up falling off the side of the cliff. I end up falling on my face. I end up messing things up. So guess what's on this other side? Mercy's there to forgive and to help me and nurture me back to that place. Goodness prompting me to do what is right, but when I don't, mercy to pick me up and to help me. That's why we're walking, while we're walking on earth, goodness and mercy following us. Goodness trying to help us do what's right. Mercy when we don't. And we'll need that for the rest of our life on earth. Promise number two. Bring up verse six. It says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Come on, somebody. Forever. Promise number two is eternal life. It's eternal life. We have the promise of goodness and mercy while we're on earth, but the earthly living isn't the end. There's the matter of dwelling in the house of the Lord or in the presence of the Lord for all eternity. Come on, Pastor Moses. Is the Lord your shepherd today? Jehovah Rohi. The Lord is my shepherd. Guiding and nurturing and Applying healing, preparing a field, preparing a table. It's not an automatic just because for generations your family has been Christian. You must actually decide today if the Lord will be your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I think maybe one of the most critical words in all of Psalm 23 is the word my. Because if he's not your shepherd, none of the rest applies, none of the rest matters. It's just a nice poem. It's nice literature. It looks good on the back of the funeral program. But when we say, the Lord is my shepherd, and we allow him into our life to lead us and guide us. He transforms our life. Bow your heads all across this room. 
Do you know Jehovah Rohi? Do you know him as shepherd? If today you are here and you have never accepted Jesus into your life, come to the shepherd today. He's the good shepherd. He's the gentle shepherd. And all that he has for you is for your good. If you're here today and you would like to accept Christ, asking him to come in and be your savior, forgive you of your mistakes, forgive you of your sin, would you mind just lifting your hand? You can put it right back down. I just... I want to pray with anybody here that needs to find Jehovah Rohi, the Good Shepherd. Is there anyone? Amen. Anyone? We're going to pray in just a moment. Pastor Steve, I'm not trying to be funny, but anything that my God can do with an old goat change my way of thinking I know it all can God touch my life can he change my way of thinking because you know I mature and I know everything already and there's nothing that you can teach me because you're a very young man I know too much I want that rod there to take me by the neck and guide me. Would you, can you do something for me? I think there may be a lot of us in that position, and I need direction. Amen, Pastor. Folks, we're not to fight against the shepherd. I'm talking about the Lord as our shepherd. And, folks, there are, is always that opportunity for him to guide us and lead us with his rod and with his staff. If you need the good shepherd today, I, I've already asked those who, who, who need to find Jesus, but uh, how about if you just need the good shepherd today and you need him to guide you and lead you with the rod and the staff, why don't you just come to the altar right now? Everyone standing, come on and let's just let the Lord be our shepherd today. Oh God, how we need you. We need you, God, the Lord my shepherd to lead me and to guide me to to correct me when necessary discipline me lord you said in your word that you only discipline those that you love you correct those that you love god and as we have wandered and gone astray from time to time god we ask that you take the rod and the staff and pull us back into the flock pull us back into the fold lord you know what is best for us god and so we ask now that you lead us and we yield to you good shepherd we yield to your leading we are just sheep prone to do what is wrong destined if left to ourselves to disaster but as we hear your voice oh can you hear the voice of the shepherd today he's calling you he's calling you calling you from danger calling you from destruction hear the voice of the good shepherd today leading you we yield to that and we come to you today we pray God that you would wash us and forgive us and help us, Lord, 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Rabba. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in Also, to respect the pastors who are like assistant shepherds. And we worship you and we love you and you're in your prayer. Amen. Jesus. 